Have you ever been to a preach-in? No? Well, until today, I hadn't either. Guess what? You're at one now. The All Saints Earth Stewards alerted me a couple of weeks ago to the fact that the nationwide organization Interfaith Power and Light is calling all congregations to celebrate God's love for creation on Valentine's Day. And we are taking part, along with 400 other congregations, in a preach-in, sharing green stewardship sermons. So now, after this morning, you can go home and tell all your friends that you have been to a preach-in. Lucky you. The kingdom of God is like an iPod. No, wait. The kingdom of God is like a Cadillac. No. The kingdom of God can be compared to a bulldozer. A skyscraper? A plastic bag? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. That's more like it. Jesus used a lot of images from the natural world to help illuminate his teachings. Some of them still speak to us today. Some of them seem a little foreign or quaint. It's true that um, the pastoral images of farmers and shepherds Plants and animals were the most logical choice for Jesus' parables. They were most accessible images around. They were relatable to Jesus' followers. Everyone would have understood the parable of the lost sheep because sheep were a present reality to the people Jesus spoke to. But it was more than that. The nature parables were also effective because they used the natural, God-created world to explain human emotions and motivations, to speak to something familiar and primal within each of the listeners. They spoke to the movement of God in the world. But it doesn't seem that we are so connected any longer. Have you ever seen a fig tree sprout figs? Have you ever seen birds pick the seeds off a rocky path? Some of us have, but even more of us haven't. I can't imagine Jesus using the primary images of our day to construct parables. I just don't think that the kingdom of God is enough like a cell phone that Jesus would even bother. Cell phones and bulldozers and plastic bags are fine tools for the modern world, but they are not the stuff of God. As of yet, we can still sort of tune in to what Jesus is saying in the nature parables. You might have never seen a sheep up close, but you get the gist enough to get the parable of the good shepherd. But how much longer will this be true? With each passing generation, there is greater and greater distance from the stuff we are made of. Soil and roots and air and water and fur and claws and feathers. What will be the images that our children use to relate to the parables of Jesus? What will my grandkids use to relate at all to these parables? Will they understand the parable of the sower? Will they even know what happens when a seed enters the earth? When we lose this connectedness, we are losing something important. Not just an intellectual appreciation of the biology of food. And not even just a hippy-dippy, dirt-under-your-fingernails love of the earth. 
we are losing our connection to the world that God created. The world that God created before God created us. And when we lose that connection, so too we begin to lose our connection to God. If you can't appreciate the creation, how can you fully appreciate the creator? We are not all called to live on farms. I know I'm not. We're not even all called to have patches of land where we grow our own vegetables. In another part of Paul than what we read this morning, we hear about the different gifts that we are each given, and the same applies here. Some of us are bankers, are lawyers, preachers, administrators, teachers, contractors, and some of us are farmers. But you don't have to be a farmer to care about the production of your food. There's a problem when we don't have a clue where our food comes from. We don't actually know what a mustard seed looks like. We don't actually know, we don't care how far our asparagus has traveled. We don't give a wit about what gets sprayed on our strawberries. And it's this disconnection from God's creation, it extends far beyond what we eat. By our apathy, and sometimes by our knowing misbehavior, we are poisoning our air. We're killing our water. We're thinning out the diversity of the planet. And this is not just about plants and animals. The crisis that our planet is spiraling down into is already impacting human populations, although it's rarely in the ways that we encounter on a daily basis here in the United States. The environmental crisis affects the poorest of the poor first, those who contribute least to the problem, ironically, and the most vulnerable, children, always children. Our excessive need and our excessive waste contribute directly to widespread starvation. Like so much else in the realm of caring, it is up to people of faith to care about our world, about the environment that our children grow up in but also about the environment that children we will never meet, see, or hear about will grow up in. There is a veil over our eyes, my friends, just like Paul describes in his letter to the church at Corinth. But this one is a self-imposed veil that protects us from seeing the truthful consequences of our actions. We are citizens of the world, the whole world, but the way we would live ex would suggest that we have forgotten that. It's a luxury, this veil is, being so distanced from the consequences of our excess means that we don't have to own up to them. The veil means that we don't have to see what we've done. And when we don't see it, we don't have to change our actions in order to better the world. It's time. It's past time for us to recognize our complicity in the downfall of our planet. It's time for us to repent for the damage we have caused to our earth and to its inhabitants. And then it's time for us to accept our forgiveness with a grateful heart and move into being the beloved creatures that we truly are. And in order to live into that belovedness, we need to take care of one another 
to take care of ourselves, to take care of our home. The good news is that every time we make a conscious decision in favor of protecting the earth that God has loaned to us, the veil is a little lighter. Whenever we choose to bring our own grocery bags to the grocery store, to change the light bulbs to more energy-efficient ones, to turn down the temperature just a little bit, to buy a hybrid car, or to eat locally grown produce, we are choosing to recognize that we are citizens of the earth and of the kingdom of God. And the veil is lifted a little more. Whenever we choose to recognize that our everyday actions have an effect on our next-door neighbors, on our friends in the parish, and also on impoverished children in developing countries, the veil is lifted a little more. We can see God a little more clearly. For as St. Paul reminds us, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, my friends. Amen. Amen.